Welcome to this week's podcast from Capital Church's Young Adult Service. We hope this message encourages you, and thank you for joining us. You like my purple? Oh, thank you guys. Thank you so much. How encouraging. Could I get maybe just a tiny bit more um, monitor, if possible? Or can I turn this towards? I don't, if I could get a little bit, sorry about that. Is it Joe in the back? Thanks, Joe. You're the best. You're the best, and it's going to need a little bit. I just, I know my voice and it's going to need a little bit of help tonight. You doing good? Yeah. Capital Young Adults, how you feeling? You feeling good, feeling strong? Yeah. It's Palm Sunday. Uh, this is Holy Week. Um, this is Passion Week, if you want to call it that. We, we, really in, in the church, we call it different things. You can call it Holy Week, you can call it Passion Week. But the most important thing, if you can't remember that, that doesn't matter. The most important thing to remember is that Sunday is coming and it's Easter that we talk about. And without the resurrection, um, the, there's no point in us being here without the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And later we're gonna have water baptisms, which signifies, it's really cool to do that on Palm Sunday, actually, which really identifies with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And so if you wanna get water baptized and you haven't signed up, you can still do it. So think about it as, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you if tonight's your night to get water baptized. Um, but today we're gonna talk about, like Mary said, it is, um, I think I think it's gonna have the next two in our pre-series. I mean, as far as I know it is, because we do sadly have the next two Sundays off, but they're not without cool things. So make sure next Sunday you come to one of our morning services here at Capitol Church, 9, 11, or 1. Um, they're, they're gonna be phenomenal. There's just nothing like Easter and celebrating Easter together. And then the following week, as Mary said, we're gonna do a big evangelistic um, like crusade essentially um, in it, I, it's at the, I don't know what we call it now. Extra mile. Extra, it's Taco Bell arena. What was it before that? I don't even know, but it's just, what was it? The pavilion. That's what I grew up. It's, it, it's forever the pavilion to me, but to you youngins, it's extra mile arena. Um, but join us there um, because I just really do believe that God is on the move in our city. And uh, we talked about it a little bit last week. Um, why has God called us into such a mission? Because it's a, we, we live in a broken world. And I think if you know anything in this world, which it feels like a lot of things are, are just, it's hard to know anything, right? You just kind of feel like, I, I don't know much, but I know this, is that there's a lot of hurting, broken people in the world. And it's been highlighted, highlighted, and I believe um, we've, we've become more and more aware of it in the last couple of years. And now we have the greatest opportunity, I think. And I think I said this last week. I don't remember what I say because I have a, a baby. So I like, I have mom brain half the time. So if I repeat the same things, just go with it, okay? Just be like, bless her, say a prayer for me. Be like, oh Lord, help her memory because she's a mom now. And it's true. The mom brain thing is real. It's, I, it's sad how real it is. So if I tell you the same things, I apologize. But you know what? Maybe it's the Holy Spirit and he wants you to hear it again. But I really do believe that God has called us for this time and this season. And there are people that are hurting and are broken and are die literally dying. Both, both physically and spiritually, there are broken, dying people in our world. And God has given us the great assignment. I think the greatest assignment, and that's to preach the good news of the gospel. Who would say, man, you'd like to wake up tomorrow and get some good news? You'd be lying. You're, you're straight up a liar if you say, nope, tomorrow I want to wake up and get bad news. 
<laughs> we will pray for you if that's what you, come on, nobody, in, nobody with, a, with a soul in this place would say, I want bad news. We all want good news. And guess what? This is a good news gospel. We carry it in our very being, in our bones, in our blood, in who we are. Remember what we talked about last week? It's Jesus through his blood who has rescued you and washed you, priesthood of you apart. And so we are priests, right? The priesthood of all believers. God has called us to be kings and priests. The problem is we like the king part a lot more than the priest part. And that's what, this, this, that's what we deal with with this culture and this generation today. But that's why I just really felt like, and, and Garrison and I, as we lead young adults, have really felt like we really need a movement of priests. We don't need any more famous people or people who want to get famous. It, it's not that great, right? Look at what happens. They don't care. There's not enough money in this world that'll satisfy you. There's not enough uh, connections and influence and fame and fortune or any of that stuff that'll satisfy you. What does this world need? This world needs priests. And I don't mean the father down the road at the Catholic church. <laughs> I'm talking about spiritual priests, the spiritual priesthood that Jesus has called you all into when he washed you with his blood. Guess what? He called you into the priesthood. You are a part of the family. You're a part of it. You're not outside of it. You're inside. You want to talk about um, being a part of a family and, and included, then you come into the family of God. No one is excluded in God's family. It's the greatest family you could be a part of. You're, all of you are included. So tonight, we're gonna, we talked about priests last week and we talked about, um, I barely remember to be honest. I like preach it and then I forgot because I had a crazy week and a baby who doesn't sleep. Glory to God, pray he sleeps, pray my child sleeps. But tonight, we're gonna talk about priests and servants or better yet, priests as servants because they're really synonymous. It's one and the same. Priests as servants. Matthew chapter 20, we're gonna look at a few texts tonight. We're gonna actually read quite a few scriptures tonight. And so if you don't have your Bible, don't worry. Oh, uh-oh, okay, okay. Oh, there you go. Oh, good job, good job. I couldn't do that, okay. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna have the, it on the jumbo Bible. So if you didn't bring yours, don't you worry. Um, Matthew chapter 20 says this starting in verse 20. And this is an interesting text. I love it because it's the mom. A mom does this. Oh, speaking of a mom, that's my child. If you hear a scream, it's my baby. Hey, baby, mama loves you. Okay, I got to work though, buddy. Got to be quiet back there. Mom's got to work. <laughs> Verse 20, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him, meaning Jesus, with, his, with her sons and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left hand in your kingdom. Jesus answered, do you not know what you are asking? Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? They said to him, we are able. He said to them, uh, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those of whom it has been prepared by my father. Who's he talking about? He's talking about God. And when the 10 heard it, they were indignant at the, two, at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you. This is, these are the key verses tonight. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. We don't like that word, slave. Jesus uses it. It's not my word, it's his word. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is a 
this is a peculiar, peculiar text, right? Here we have these two sons that are coming and they want to be great, right? Their version of greatness or what their culture would define greatness. And like fill in the blank, whatever you think great is. Think about it for a second. If you were to say, if I was to be great in my culture, in my world, just for a second, just let your mind go to the places, unholy places, it will go. Not super unholy. Uh, but like, what do you think defines greatness? Think about it. Like, think about it for a second. Just give yourself, and there's, it's, not, I'm not, it's not class, it's not school, don't stress out. I'm not gonna ask you to answer. But I want you to think about it because I guarantee you your thought, and if you're honest with yourself, what you think greatness is, is not how Jesus defines greatness. See, God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom. There's no getting around it. I want to a lot of the times. I want his kingdom to look like my kingdom or at least my version of what a kingdom. But God's version and God's kingdom is an upside down world. Meaning what is great to us is often not good, is not the definition of greatness to God. What God defines as greatness is a servant and not just a servant, a slave. And not just a slave to one, but a slave to all. Come on, this is like, come on, we're, we're in like the 21st century, are we not? Like, come on, it's like, we're talking about slavery, we're talking about servants, we're talking, come on, we, we wanna be great in the kingdom of God. And this is, this is Jesus's definition of greatness. And so he, he kind of like makes, I, I, I can't imagine, the mom is probably feeling foolish and the boys are super embarrassed that their mom just called them out in front of all the, the 10 others. Now they're like, now great, now the 10 other disciples are gonna just hate us forever. Thanks, mom. You know, has your mom ever embarrassed you before? So here Jesus uses them in a sense as an example to teach the most important thing. And this is true of Jesus. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. If you wanna know something about Jesus, this is what you need to know, is that he came to serve, not to be served. So now we have this big conversation about the priesthood. In Revelation chapter five, it says, and you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they shall reign on this earth. But my definition of priesthood and what it means to be a priest is to be a servant. So servants and slaves are who are gonna reign on the earth. If, you, if I'm gonna use my working definition of being a priest, a spiritual priesthood, what it means for what God has called us to, it means that it's the servants and the slaves who are gonna reign. It is not what you think. Right, we think it's like the coolest ones. We think it's the most famous ones, like the Kardashians, they're coming back. Hulu, wow, I thought we were done, but we're not. We're, keep, we're gonna keep going for 20,000 more years. But it, that's who we think. And that's what culture has taught us. And that's what we have adopted. And that's what we've tended to believe. And so when we come into the kingdom of God and we have a relationship with Jesus, what we don't realize is we're not very good at being the priests. Because we look at everybody else and we're like, but I know, but like, I know that Jesus came to serve, not to be served and we're to be like Jesus and we're the hands and feet of Jesus and all this. Yes, I know. But like, but look at those people and look at how much like attention they're getting and look how much influence and, and, and look at their life and look at the home that they have and look at, look at this and look at that and look at, and you don't think those are the same things that the sons of Deb, Zebedee were trying to say and their mom was trying to say? It's the same kind of questions and the same kind of frustrations, frustrations and the same kind of issues that we have today that were happening in the day of Jesus. And yet we just package them different. We really do. We look at them different. We say them different. And we, we, we're real good at spiritualizing them though. 
like super good at spiritualizing them. Because what happens now is we're like, I just want to serve in the house of the Lord. I just want to. And then you don't get to serve in the department in the area that you want to serve. And you're like, oh my gosh, do they not recognize me? No, they don't. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I mean, that's the reality is we spiritualize even serving. We've made service so much about us. We've lost the art of serving. We've lost it. It's not servants anymore. It's not, we're not servants in the house of the Lord. We're not serving the people in our communities, in our jobs, in our schools. What we're doing is we're doing a good deed and we want somebody to notice. Like, come on. I mean, true confessions of a pastor are a human being. Like, how many times have you done a good deed and you're like, I hope somebody's all up? Like, come on, the Starbucks chain of like, come on. It sounds like it's holy and like we're trying to like just bless the person behind us, but we're not. We're showing off to the barista in the window who's like, do you want to be the 100th car who pays for the person behind you? And then you're like, yeah. And then you Instagram post about it. And it's like, did we really serve? No. Not to say those things are bad, but is it truly service? Is it really what it means to be a priest? Are we truly, truly who God's called us to be in a generation that desperately needs an example of Jesus's servant leadership, which is this, he simply served. with nothing in return, no expectation. Nobody needed to see it. In fact, thank God there wasn't social media because you know the sons of Zebedee would be on it, letting everybody know of all the miracles they were a part of. And their mama would be retweeting it and reposting it all day long. <laughs> but we've, we've, we've twisted and we've tried to revert this upside down kingdom of God's, which is we want our world to look like the world we want instead of recognizing that the world that we live in, that God's called us to reign in, looks like his kingdom and his kingdom is upside down. And what we think is great, oftentimes in God's kingdom is not so great. And what, he think, what we think is lowly to God is far from lowly. In fact, it is righteous and it's holy and it's beautiful and it's majestic and it's what he's called you to do. But yet we have to learn to live within that kind of kingdom. See, we have an important job to do. As priests, we have the, the great assignment to serve. Now, think for a moment. Um, if I was to ask you, the person in your life, in your life, so you're, you're, I don't know what you are, 18, 19, 20, 30, I don't know. I don't know what you are. <laughs> you're, you're in your prime. Let's be honest. You're in your prime. But the age that you are right now, for the, for your, the history of your life, who has served you the most? Who has served you? What person in your life has served you the most? Now, if, uh, no, Jesus is not the right answer, but that was really spiritual and good. Come on, come on, somebody give the Lord a hand for Jesus, you know? (laughs) Everyone always says Jesus because they think, of course, uh, we're outside of Jesus, Jay. Okay, next to Jesus, Uh, you know, the physical person within your world. Most of us, if we think about it and if we're honest, most of us are gonna say who? Our moms. Right? I mean, the majority of you will say, your mom, some of you are like, you didn't know my mom. Okay, well, <laughs> pretend you had the mom who, who served. Most of you would say your mom. Now, when you think of all that your mom has done for you, and in, in all actuality, she likely is the greatest example for you of servanthood. And when you think about it, 
What is your view of your mom? Do you have a high view of your mom because she served you or a low view? Most of you, I think, would say a high view because she served you and she served you well. She kept you alive. It's not the dads that keep you alive. It's the moms. It's the moms. I know this to be sure. I was scooping things out of my baby's mouth today that he could have, I was like, buddy, you can't eat that, you know? I'm saving his life every moment, right? But it's really, when we think about servanthood and the one who has served us, we have a high view of it. We honor it. We're pretty amazed. And then once you become a mom, you're like, you better honor us. (laughs) We're amazing. But no, we have a high view of our moms. Why? Because in our world, we think service is lowly. We think it is the opposite of, of what we desire. But yet when we look at the one who has served us the most, we, are most, we most admire her. We admire her sacrifice, just like we admire Jesus' sacrifice. We admire what she's done. It is the opposite of lowly to us. But yet why is it that all other service seems like beneath me? Why do we, can we be honest, let's change the name. I think we try. But why do we call people who serve us at a restaurant? We call them, you know, it's like our server. It's like, can we give them a new name? Or if we're gonna call them a server, let's celebrate them. Let's be like, come on, server, there she comes. Here she comes with my drinks. You are awesome at bringing me my drinks. And I'm gonna tip you so good. Oh my gosh, how did you carry all that food? That's amazing. Let me take a picture. That's how we should treat servers. If based on the word in and of itself, which is it should be high value, it should be something that we desire. It's that something that we should look to and esteem and we should should desire to do in our culture and world. But we don't look at it like that. We look at someone who's a server and we're like, oh my gosh, get my food faster. Where are my servers in the house? Bless your heart. Let's give them some. We don't have very many. Okay, tough crowd. There you go. We got a server in the house. God bless you. See, like, there we go. We got some in the house. They deserve to be treated well and reminded that that responsibility and that role should be one that we looked at. We're like, man, that's awesome. Way to serve. Way to care for people. Way, way to consider people's needs. Way, and, and you know what? I think servers should be like just the best at their job. They should just be awesome at it. Like we should be at all of our jobs. The, the Bible says this, do everything unto the Lord. Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. But I feel like what we've done is we've, we've sort of like decided that service is beneath us. It's not really the best. It's like, oh, it's that thing we kind of do as Christians, but like not all the time, right? But the the reality is this, service adds value to people. How have you felt when someone serves you? How did you feel when your mama did your laundry? Wasn't that great? She made your bed. She made food for you. Now you have to do that on your own. If you can't guess, my love language is acts of service. Acts of service is my love language. I'm gonna say it a little bit for the back because I think my husband and my baby are here. (laughs) he knows it. He's like, why do you have to have that one? That's hard. But, but service there, there's, there's power in serving and loving one another and caring for the needs of others. 
I think we're most like Jesus when we serve. We demonstrate the goodness of God in our world that desperately needs people to serve them and love them. But we're like, I'm in it. Maybe sometimes, right? And once again, we go back to this, like our service model is I'll serve where I want to serve when I want to serve. I'm, and I'll be true. Let's, let's just get raw and real and honest in church. As a pastor, um, there's statistically, I don't know about every church, but most of the, the church data comes and says that 10% of your congregation serves in the church. Like 10%. So 10% of the people in your church are doing all the work and the rest of them are just like enjoying it and usually criticizing pretty well. They're like, I didn't like that. Oh, okay, then you do it. But it's interesting that that's what we've adopted within this, this, this church modern culture is that 10% of the people are gonna do all the work. They're gonna serve, 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 serve. And I'm just gonna sit and watch, 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 watch. The problem with this so much is that we have become not a part of the priesthood. We're, we're, we're standing and watching. We're bystanders. We're like the people that are sitting in the crowd watching the game and we're not in the game. And God said, man, I made you like a point guard. You're supposed to be playing and you're pretty good at it. And I, I, I actually created you to be in the game. And instead of being in it, you've been outside of it and you're criticizing it or you're criticizing the church. Nothing makes me more frustrated than people who criticize the church. And I'm not talking about capital church or capital, I'm talking about the church globally. And yet we're doing nothing to help change or transform. We're just really good at like blasting what we don't like. See, God didn't call you to be that. He called you to be a priest and a priest gets involved. A priest has duties and responsibilities and a priest takes it seriously and recognizes that it might not always be glamorous. It might not always be fun. In fact, sometimes it's not fun at all. Like what it's like as a mom to change poopy diapers. But somebody's got to do it. Can you imagine if we just were like, oh, well, buddy, just... Stick with your poops and your, and your diapers. Figure it out. Pull your weight around here. Nine months old now. Try, try, you know, it's time to pull your weight around here. And little guy's like, I don't even actually know how to crawl yet. I'm just army crawling, you know? Like, come on. I, I don't, in the middle of the night, a poopy diaper is like death to me. <laughs> a little part of me dies. But you know what I do? I get up, I scoop up my baby. I go in his room because he won't sleep there, even though it's perfect. <laughs> he wants to sleep with mom and dad. But I go in there, I change his diaper, and I do it. And I won't stop doing it. Until one day when he gets potty trained, guess what? He's going to be able to take care of that stuff. Not. But we, come on, we do the job whether we want to or not. See, service is not glamorous. We need to reconstruct or deconstruct everyone's favorite. You know I'm going to blast it every single week because it's my favorite thing to blast right now. Because everybody's deconstructing and nobody's trying to construct. Like there's a lot of things I'm sure that are wrong with the church and wrong with Christians and wrong with the world. And I could name a thousand. But you know what? I'm doing no good unless I'm constructing and building. And so I want to be a builder. 
in the house of God. I want to be one that sees a problem and fixes it. I want to be one that recognizes something that we're not that good at. And I want to go, hey, I want to be the one who helps curate it and cultivate it and make it stronger so that a world that is broken and dying and hurting will go, that's where I want to be. Those are the kind of people I want to be around. That's the kind of world that God has brought us to be a part of is one where we build and we see a poopy diaper and we change it. We change it. This is the kind of world that God has, has instructed us to be a part of. We are to be ones who add value to this world. See, we will demonstrate, I believe this, we will demonstrate love like Jesus more than any other way through serving. I, I just, I can't even explain to you what service does to someone's soul. Imagine if you just like served people. I mean, come on, we can get real practical. What if you like served your roommates? Maybe you still live at home. What if you served your mom? Your mom's been serving you a long time. She could use some, you know, some service. You know, you're, you're big boy, big girl. You can pick up your clothes. You can do your laundry. You can make dinner for mom one night. I mean, come on, think about it. Think about what we could do, but we've just become so accustomed to being served or that's what we want. A lot of times we come to church to be served or to be entertained or to be treated the way that we want. And we don't come think to church. Could I add? See, I don't come to church to receive. I come to church to add, to give, to figure out what I can do. Like I'll come and I'll be like, how can I encourage someone? How can I add value to this service? How can I add value to the people that are coming? I don't come going, oh my gosh, I hope it's my favorite songs and I hope I get a prophetic word and I hope people like talk to me and think I'm great. No, I come to go, I'm coming to the house of the Lord and I'm coming as a priest and the priest is ready to give and a priest is ready to serve and a priest is ready to worship and a priest is ready to offer sacrifices because that is what a priest does. A priest serves, a priest gives, and that's what God's called us to be. I want to talk about a couple things. I think, how many do I have? Four. I have four things. I rarely do points, but tonight is your special night. For you note takers, you are going to be excited. I got four points. Four points of what it means to be a servant leader like Jesus. If you want to be a priest, if you want to be the kind of person that God's called you to be, I believe that there's four things. These are, these are characteristics of what it means to be a servant leader just like Jesus. The number one thing is this. If you want to be a servant leader, we read it in Matthew chapter 20. Remember? He said, okay, you want to, you want to do this? Then just remember this. Remember this, that I came to serve, not to be served. Jesus, number one, is a bond servant. If you want to be a servant leader, you've got to learn to be a bond servant of Jesus. Okay, now this is where it gets really intense. Bond servant in the, in the Greek. Paul uses it a lot. The New Testament uses it pretty, uh, pretty consistently. Bond servant means slave. Slave. Like absolutely, there's no way we're getting around that in the Greek language. Like, oh, but does it kind of mean like a different kind of slave? Like, you know, one that like, is like a happy thing. It's like, no, voluntarily, it's, it's voluntarily giving your life as a sacrifice, a slave. Now, when you read your Bible and you see all the times it says bondservant, you better look at it and read more accurately, slave. But what is different 
about this kind of a slave and a slave in the culture that we understand it in is that it is voluntary. Jesus doesn't force you to be a slave. He won't. He's such a gentleman. God won't force you to do anything. But what it means to be a bondservant of Jesus and to be one, God, take my life. It means that you choose willingly to say, God, take my life. I want to be a slave. I want to be a servant for you. Whatever you want me to do, however you want me to live my life, that's how I want to live it. It's one who would sell themselves voluntarily into slavery. Now to the Jewish mind and the Jewish reader who would have read many of the early New Testament texts, guess what? That would have been to them, not doom and gloom. If they would have read to be a bondservant of Jesus. When they heard Paul write that, they got like excited. It looked like butterflies in their belly. Why? Because to them, even in the old Jewish law, all the way back in the Old Testament, their understanding was to be a bondservant, to be a slave was the greatest honor and privilege you could absolutely have. For Jesus to say, that's my servant. Why does the Bible say this when you get to heaven? You hope that it, these words will be said, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Why, did, why, does it say, why doesn't it say, well done, good and faithful influencer? Well done, good and faithful boss. Well done, good and faithful popular one. It doesn't. It says, well done, good and faithful servant or slave. Someone who offered willingly their life to be an example and an opportunity for God to use them in ways that you couldn't be used outside of being one of his servants. See, God has called us into this. See, we're truly called to be more than just hanging out in church. And I don't mean serving at Connect. And like, oh, well, someone's like, there are people, and I know I can feel it and I sense it. It's like, people are like, well, I do serve, I serve at Connect. I'm totally, I'm totally on top of this message. Are you? Are you really? Because my question to all of us would be, is there ever a point that we've arrived in serving? Like, and, and really in my mind, if I'm serving, I don't think anyone else sees that I'm serving. So I almost sorry, and this could be wrong, and maybe the other pastors would disagree, but they're not here, so. But I don't even know if I count church serving as service because it's recognized. I, I, I don't know. I, I, my jo- I'm a pastor. I don't consider that serving. It's my job. I, I serve outside of that the Sunday mornings and do outside of a church service and, and, and the Sunday mornings and the Sunday evenings. And what do you do outside of the coffee bar and the connect booth or children's ministry? Or what do you do outside of that? Interns, I'm sorry, I love you, but all your service is not special service because it's part of interns. (laughs) What happens when you graduate interns? What happens when you are outside of a church structure and a church building What does that kind of service look like? What does it look like when you're at your job or when you're at your work or when you just stop in a smoothie bar? Because I didn't want to say coffee bar this time because I always say coffee. So I said smoothie place. And that sounds good right now, smoothies. But that to me is the representation of what it means. But see, we have a sad commentary in the church today. And it's that we have more celebrities than we have servants. 
we have more people who want to be served than want to serve. That's what we're living in. If only 10% of your congregation serves in church, I'm guessing they don't serve much outside of church then either. And if that's the reality, then guess what? We are not meeting the needs of our world and we are desperately, we are desperately hurting in being the priesthood of all believers that God has called us to be. What has God called you to do? How can you serve? Do you spend your day going, I wish somebody would, you know, help me. Wish somebody would think about me. I wish someone would text me. And those things aren't bad. And I think we encourage each other. But how much of our attention is given to ourselves rather than, man, I wonder what I could do for someone today. I wonder how I could bless someone today. I wonder how I could encourage. Man, I'm feeling down. You know what I've learned in my life? When I'm discouraged, do you know the best thing that gets me out of a funk? <laughs> Encouraging someone else. I can't even explain it. It's supernatural. When I'm feeling like, oh, I'm feeling kind of zapped. I'm feeling weary. I'm feeling me. I'm like, you know what, Holy Spirit? Give me strength. Refresh. The Bible says this. He refreshes those who refresh others. I will find myself in a place, in a situation, and I will, I will see someone. I ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, show me somebody who needs to be refreshed. God, I know I need it, but I know you'll take care of me. So God, who can I? Do we think it's magic? We, we do. We think, oh man, let's leave it to the 10% to encourage everyone in the whole world. And then we're like, why, why am I so downtrodden? Downtrodden. Downtrodden. What does David say? Down, whatever. Downtrodden. It seems like a really weird phrase. But why, do, why does my soul feel that? Because we need more priests. Can you imagine what we could do in the world if we all were servants of the Lord? If we actually lived as bond servants? Can you imagine what we would accomplish in a world? Can you imagine how many people would be encouraged, built up? How many people would find faith? How many people would get the good news gospel? Simply because we were all doing what we were called to do. And not expecting, oh, that's the pastor's job, or those are the intern's job, or that's, you know, that's the leader's job. That's the small group leader. The small group leaders don't have like, um, like a master's in small group leading. And interns certainly don't have a master's in interning, okay? They're learning. No, they're the best. I love them so much. But come on, none of us have, like somehow we think we have to have like a degree or 20 years experience or... Or, you know, we have to grow up in that. Or we have to be saved a certain amount of time. I have to know so many scripture verses. No, you don't. You just got to serve. You got to love people. You got to care about people. And then you just got to do it. So being a bond servant. The second thing, I didn't forget that there's points. Don't you worry. That was just one. Here's two. Serve without recognition. Ephesians 6, 6 says, Not like those who do their work only when someone is watching as people pleasers but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. We don't need public praise or approval. We simply just need to do the will of God. This hurts me because I feel like it's so such a struggle for our culture. We love the praise. We love the attention. Even if we're, come on, we might say we don't. Come on, haven't you ever been like, nah, I don't really like it. Or I'm, I'm not doing this for anyone else, but then you still have to talk about it to someone. Yeah. Yeah. Or you got to like 
post about it or you gotta make sure that when you're serving, someone sees you serving. Like, come on. No, we do it without needing any public affirmation or praise or approval or nobody needs this. In fact, the best kind of serving is serving and no one knows you're serving. (laughs) When's the last time you're like, I pulled over and I changed somebody's tires without telling anybody you did it. Come on, that's been the best story you've had in 10 years. You've been telling it to everybody. (laughs) Like, remember that one time? This sweet old lady was stopped on the side of the road. It was crazy. It was a windstorm and rain and I just pulled over there and I helped her get those tires on. It's like, awesome, but no one needed to know. That sounds funny, but it's true. Why can't we just serve? And we serve because it's the will of God and we serve because he has so generously given to us. And why can't we serve? Because man, if God can do what he's done for me, if all he asks is that I serve, I will serve for the rest of my life. Even if no one recognizes it, pays me for it, gives me a high five for it, goes and buys me a Starbucks card. I mean, you know what we have to do to get people to serve? It's like the incentives you have to give these days. I mean, in the corporate world, to the church world, to the whole world. We gotta get, we gotta get the amount of money they're trying to pay people to work. They're trying to do anything to get people to work. That should tell you that we are not a generation of priests. We are a generation who wants to be served. We wanna walk around with little work and a lot of reward. And then we want to complain when this world does not look like how we want it to look like. Sorry, I don't mean to be heavy on Palm Sunday, but we'll wave Hosanna branches in a minute. But come on. God has called you to serve without recognition. Number three, if you're going to be a servant leader, if you want to be a priest in, in, in the kingdom of God, you have to value people. You have to value people. See, servant leaders like Jesus value people for who they are, not what they can offer, not who they are or who they aren't, but simply because they're created in the image of God. See, and if you ever ask my dad this, and it's probably one of my pet peeves too, but our founding pastor at Capital Church is my dad, Pastor Ken. One of my greatest pet peeves in all the world are cliques. And if you ask my dad, it's always been, and it's always been a problem in the church because people get together and they have their little club and they have their little group. And I, yeah, I mean, you're going to connect with other, some people more than others, but that doesn't mean you can't serve other people. Doesn't mean you can't love other people or value other people. It doesn't mean you can't spend time with other people. See, and that's not just the job for some, that's the job for all. We're all called to value people. Why? Because God values. Come on, think about yourself on your worst day. Just think about it and think how much God still values you. Think how much God values you and loves you and is proud of you. And that's what God has called us to value other people. See, Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. If that's not a scripture for this generation, I don't know what is. Do nothing. Let's just, come on, come on, lean in a little bit. Y'all are like tired and you're like, oh, you're like, this is heavy. Couldn't we go back to last week? And it seems like 
I don't know, like fiery or no, you need this one. <sighs> Read this scripture. Look at this scripture. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Ask yourself this question. We're asking lots of questions to ourselves. Do you really think, do you really think you're, more, you're better than other people? Be honest. Do you, do you think at some times you're like, well, I mean, well, I mean, of course, I, but I, do you think you are better than other people? Read the scripture again. Do nothing from rivalry, conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Do you count others more significant? When you look at others, do you think, wow, man, they mean a lot to God. Wow, that person, man, she means a lot to God. Man, I, I, I can only imagine how much God loves him. And when he thinks about him, I, I, just, I can just see the, God smiling. Do you count others more highly than you count yourself? Or is so much of your time and energy, come on, and this is, I'm preaching to every person in this place. Or do we think so much about ourselves that we don't even realize how much we think about ourselves, we don't have space to think about others. I remember what it was like to be your age. I remember what it was like, all the decisions you have to make in the future. And like, man, you're like, and you're navigating feelings for, you know, someone. You're like, oh, maybe they're the one. And you spend all this time. Can I just tell you something? God will take care of you. Just let it go. Don't stress. God has never failed you. He never will. But what if you, instead of putting all that time and energy into thinking about you, 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 or me, 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 me. You thought about them, 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 them. What if this week at Passion Week and Holy Week, you woke up every day remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made and to celebrate it, you served someone. To celebrate it, you thought about somebody else and you're like, hey, you're just like, I'm not gonna think about all this stuff that I always think about. I'm not gonna worry about all the stuff I worry. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna count more, others more, more significant than I consider myself. The scripture goes on and says, let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. What if this week we looked to other people's interests? You're like, but man, if you knew what I had this week, I know, or maybe I don't, God knows. But the Bible, like I said, it says, when you refresh others, he refreshes you. Number four, first we're bond servants. We serve without recognition. We value people. And the fourth thing, and I think the most important thing of all is humility. You can't look at Jesus and not see or negate and forget to see his humility. When you see Jesus, you see humility. Philippians 2 says, who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. I love this text. 
emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus emptied himself. Now, let's, let's understand this, break this down for just a second. God was 100% man and 100% God. At any time and, and point in time, Jesus himself could have just said, nah. Or think about it. He was all-knowing, all-powerful. Like he could have at any moment used his divinity to get himself out of the will of God, which was to go to a cross. Philippians tells us he emptied himself, not meaning he got rid of his divinity. That's a wrong interpretation of the text. And some would say that, but it's not true. He never got rid of his divinity. He went to the cross still fully divine, but fully human. He chose to not use his divinity to get himself out of the will of the father. He humbled himself to the point of, he could have been like, I am the God man. I'm the God man. I don't need to be going to no cross. But he humbled himself and was obedient to the point of death, death on the cross. See, he, he knew something that we need to know. It's through his humility that God showcases to the world his love and his grace and his forgiveness. See, it's Palm Sunday, and this is the Sunday or the day that Jesus has his triumphant entry and he comes in on a donkey. A donkey was weird then as it is now. <laughs> a donkey does not have like some, like, oh, there's this real, it was because it was, no, it wasn't powerful. It was a donkey. It was lame. He doesn't come in on a white horse. He doesn't come in on a chariot. He doesn't come in with an entourage. He doesn't have like 40 guys with him going, okay, guys, like make sure people notice me. Comes in on a donkey. Why? Because he's humble. Because he's a servant and he's living out what he told his disciples that he came to serve, not to be served. And then Jesus went to a cross and I preached about it last week and his blood washed us and now puts us in position to be a priest. And then what do we do with being a priest? How have we used it? What have we done to showcase the power of the gospel in our life? How have we lived our life? What choices have we made in, in, in showcasing that we've been washed by the blood of Jesus? That his sacrifice for us has changed our life. What have we done? We've asked others to serve us. We want people to notice us. We wanna make a name for ourselves. We want this world to be how we want it. We want our will, not his will. Come on, what should we do as the priesthood? We should be servants and servants of all. See, if I wanna be like Jesus, I'm gonna have to be humble and I'm gonna have to serve. He emptied himself, willingly giving up his limitations and being human. Jesus served most by being humble. See, I feel like tonight it is our great assignment. It's our great assignment to decide whether we're gonna be a priest. Last week, everyone was like, yeah, I wanna be, I wanna be, I wanna be. 
I'm like, okay, that's awesome. And that's why I saved this week's message for this week because I knew you all say yes. And this week I slam you with, okay, this is what it looks like. <laughs> I suck you in. <laughs> Last week, everyone, it was like 99% of you are like, yes, I wanna be a priest. Okay, I believe you. And I believe that you, you believed that then and I, I'm hoping you believe it now. But what it means to be a priest is to serve and to serve all. Not some, not the ones you want, not the ones you like, not how you like, when you like it. We gotta show the world Jesus. We, we gotta show, they need Jesus. They don't need your great ideas. They don't need your debates. They don't need your little Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram rants. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. And how do we show people Jesus? We serve like him. We love like him. We give like him. We forgive like him. We care like him. Whew. That's what this world needs. And in this Passion Holy Week, I can't think of a better way to celebrate what Jesus did for me than to act like Jesus in the best way that I can. And that's by serving and loving and giving and forgiving and caring and being kind, being compassionate, being full of empathy and care. That's what it means to be a priest. Some of you just like, man, you're like, you got to deal with some anger. You just lose your mind. That's not being like Jesus. Some of you just, you know, you're just, it's, the world is about you and somehow the rest of us are somehow in your world. But you need to start realizing you're in God's world. And he created you and made you for his purposes and he has a plan for you and you need to submit your life to it and surrender to it and stop fighting for your will. And that's why you're frustrated all the time. And that's why you get discouraged and that's why you get angry. And that's why you have dis, dis, disunity and frustrations and disconnects in relationships because you keep fighting to have your own way. And God is simply saying, surrender, submit it and trust me and serve and love. Come on. We're all called to be servants and servants of all. And may I say it, we're called to be slaves, slaves of God, slaves of righteousness. We're to give our lives to other people. Man, can you imagine if this week, for a whole week, sounds crazy, I know, but I believe in you. For a whole week, for seven days, you found ways to serve others and you didn't tell anybody. I, I, I believe in it this much. I think it would change the atmosphere of our city. I actually do. That's how much I believe in this. If we all did it every day this week, just something, and we didn't share it with anybody, we didn't post about it, we didn't try to get recognition, we fought the urge to desiring the need to have affirmation and some sort of like pat on the back for it. And we just served our community and the people in our city and the people that are hurting and broken. And maybe it's like you're serving someone in your family or your school, or maybe it's somebody in this room. I don't know, but you serve every day this week. I venture to guess that the city of Boise, the Treasure Valley would feel different by Easter Sunday there'd be an atmosphere shift. Why? Because that's the priesthood. And when we're acting as God has called us to act, guess what happens? God is able to move the way he wants to move. We pray this, God, do whatever you wanna do. Say whatever you wanna say. And he's like, I want to. 
but he needs us to operate in the role that he's destined and called us to and created you for. Is, is your assignment this Passion Week, this Palm Sunday, is to, if you wanna be a priest, then you choose to serve. You willingly give your life to Jesus as a slave, as a bondservant, and you watch what God can do. Man, wouldn't this life be so awesome if you didn't have to worry about yourself so much? I have the remedy, it's called serving. It's Philippines too, thinking more highly of others than you do of yourself. It's being like Jesus, serving like Jesus. Come on, would you stand with me tonight? I so believe in revival and what God wants to do, but I'm such a practical person. I know what it takes to get there. And I'm, we can pray it in and God is on the move and I believe in the power of prayer. You're in a church that believes in, it was the DNA of who we are is prayer. But you know what prayer does? And you know what worship does? We're a worshiping church. You know what those two things do? It's a recipe for change. <laughs> prayer and worship open your heart to do what God wants you to do. So if you're truly in God's will through prayer and worship, what it should do is it should open your heart and open your eyes to see the needs, see what needs to happen, and then you start operating in it. Prayer and worship is not for me to feel good. Church is not for me to feel good. Sorry to burst your bubble. You're like, well, that's why you come. That's okay, just keep coming. But just know it's to challenge us into the things and the ways of God. You should come to church and feel uncomfortable. I should say something or whoever's preaching every week and they say something and you're like, ow, that kind of hurt. Good. Not that we want to hurt you, but we want to challenge you to recognize I've got some messed up understanding. The culture has changed me more than I want to admit. This world has dictated a lot of what I believe and think. But tonight, God, I want you to give me a new mind. I want you to renew my mind. I, I want it to be not conformed to this world, but I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I want the mind of Jesus to come and wash. I want the, the water of the, of the word to come and wash over me and cleanse me and sanctify me and give me a new vision and help me to see things from a new perspective. That's what we need and desire when we come into an atmosphere of prayer and worship and the word. It should lead us to go, okay, my assignment this week is this. So I'm giving you your assignment. The Holy Spirit will ask. We're gonna, this is our assignment. This week, we're gonna serve. We're gonna serve. Who could say that as I was preaching, the Holy Spirit was showing you something that you should do, a way to serve? Keep your hands up. I wanna see your hands. You're like, God, God the Holy Spirit, it wasn't, I didn't say it. I didn't give you specifics. Maybe I did, but, you, but the Holy Spirit spoke to you. There's a way. I want you to keep your hand up. Okay. Who would say you want, you didn't have an idea, but you want one? Raise your hand. Everyone, so keep your hand up if you had one or if you want, you want God to show you. Okay, just keep your hand up. Why do we do this in church? Because somehow it's like when I raise my hand, like fire from heaven comes and hits it and then it goes into my soul and then I'm able to do it. No, <laughs> it's accountability, it's faith. It's me, it's me responding to the word of God. When I respond, then I'm saying, okay, God, yep, yes and amen to what you're saying, and now I wanna step out in faith. So I want you to raise your hand if you're saying, hey, God showed me something or told me something, or God, I want you to reveal something. Right now, raise your hand. Lord, for every hand that is raised, 
I thank you for divine opportunities. This is what I used to pray all the time. I'm gonna pray the very prayer I would pray over myself. Lord, this week, I pray for divine opportunities, divine intervention. Open doors that only you can open and shut doors that only you can shut. Lord, open my eyes to see people and their needs. Lord, I thank you that as I refresh others, you will refresh me where I'm concerned, where I have burdens. Lord, I thank you. Your word says to cast my cares and my burdens upon you because you care for me. So Lord, I get my eyes off me and I get my eyes on you. Give me the mind of Christ to see. Give me the mind of Christ to understand, to hear the still small voice of the Lord. Lord, I pray that you would give me your words. And Lord, I thank you that this week, I will be one who serves like Jesus. Lord, let me be the hands and feet of Jesus this week. Lord, let me carry part of the burden of this world. Lord, those that are broken and hurting, God, I thank you that you've called me and you've anointed me. Isaiah 61 says that you've anointed us to preach the good news of the gospel. You've, cared, you've called us, Lord, to heal the brokenhearted. Lord, you've called us and anointed us and equipped us to be the ones who reach the needs of people in this world. So Lord, I thank you this week will be a, will be a miracle week where we will find out people will say, I was waiting for someone to text me. I was waiting for someone to do that. I had just prayed that someone would say that. I just prayed that someone would help me with that bill. I had just asked God, I was at the end of myself. I pray this week, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Lord, we thank those who trust and obey you this week. Lord, we thank you that you washed us with your blood. And this week, more than ever, Lord, I pray you would continue to remind us of your sacrifice and your love for us. Lord, if we ever question your love, let us remember the cross. If we ever question our value, oh God, give us a picture of the cross. If we ever find ourselves concerned about our future, God, write your cross on, the, on our hearts. Lord, I thank you that we would be reminded of your sacrifice and what you did for us. And when we get our eyes on you, Lord, I thank you, Jesus that you help us to see the needs of people in our world. Lord, I thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining us today. To stay connected with our community, you can follow us at Capital Young Adults.